180 Fit. Answers to all your health, fitness, and life questions. Monday motivation, Wednesday workouts, and Friday fit forever. This is your host, Jen Plykin, with occasional guests. Let's get started. Hey, what's up? 180 Fit Tribe and my Dire Rebels. So today I'm going back again for Fit Forever Friday. Um, Back to things I'd say to my 20-year-old self. And today is something really close to my heart because it's one of the more recent changes I've actually made and came to realization about in my life that's been just a just a pattern and a really destructive one. And one that no one ever really, I never really heard talked about very much. And one that no one really gives directions on what to do about it. And so today I hope to shed some light on this topic is I know that I'm not the only lady and I'm sure there's some guys out there too who do this in their lives and do it over and over again it becomes this vicious pattern and before you know it um you're so far from yourself that you wonder the road back to finding you if you can even do that if it's even possible and so I'm here to tell you yes it is um because I've been able to do it Now that I'm perfect in this area, I still have to watch this area, but there is a way to get back to you. No matter where you are, no matter how much you've compromised or you've changed because of other people, there's always a road back to you. And it's there and it's always waiting and it's always inviting you to come back in to get back to connected to the true you, the you that's there just waiting to come out and thrive. And even if it seems like it's so distant, you can't even reach out and grasp it. I promise you it is there. So if you're someone who feels maybe discouraged today, maybe you feel like you're stuck, maybe you feel like you don't even know who you are anymore, just want want you to hear the words that there's hope to start with. And if this isn't you, I ask you to come in with an open mind to evaluate your life through a different lens and see if any of this resonates with you and if it doesn't you may have a sibling or a good friend chances are there's several people in your life who experience this who fall into this trap and you can take what you learned today and maybe you can help them navigate their way out of it because sometimes it takes someone else showing up in our lives to point out what's wrong, but then I just point out how it's wrong to help us navigate how to get out of it. Because when you're in the stuck of a muck of a situation, let's face it, it feels impossible to get out of and sometimes you can't see the way and you need someone to show up. So I encourage you, like if you're someone who has things going really well in your life right now, how can you show up massively for somebody else who's really stuck and help bring them out of a place where they just can't get out of it themselves? I think we are all made as relational human beings because we're supposed to show up for people. So we're strong at times because we're supposed to be there for others. And when you're not strong, hopefully there's other people around you that can, they are strong, that can surround you. But even if you don't have anybody, there's a person inside you, there's something inside you that's resilient and that can find a way, I promise you, because that was me. And... You are stronger than you ever think you possibly can be. So today's topic, 
your 20-year-old self. No matter what, never settle. How many times in life do we settle? Settle because we're scared it's the only opportunity. Settle because we don't think we're worth more than what's given to us in that moment. And so today I want to look at two ways that settling actually affects our lives. And then four different ways that I've identified that we we do settle for less in our lives. And then I just bring out out in the open some signs that you may have a low self-esteem. Because we'll talk about how low self-esteem is tied directly to settling in our lives. And then there's, I believe there's 11 things that we can do to stop settling and to build our confidence back up. Not a cocky confidence, but one that empowers us to stand up for ourselves and stand up for who we are so we don't change. Because when we settle, what we're doing, we're conforming, we're changing to someone else's desires for us and expectations. So I want you to ask, I want you to think right now the answer to this question. Really think about it, honest with yourself. Do you find that you are settling for less than you want in some, all, or any aspects of your life? These can include your job. Your relationships, personal growth, development. It can be um, in your beliefs. It can be in the things that you enjoy doing. It can be in any number of categories. And really think about that. Like really dig deep. Is there an area? Whatever it is, settling for less is often the result of feelings of poor self-worth and esteem. And when we're having difficulty believing in our own self, it is difficult to stand up for what we deserve and want in life. The result of low self-esteem can mean sacrificing our own happiness and satisfaction. If you think you are settling in life, being straight up, it's time to examine your sense of self to determine if you suffer from a lack of self-esteem. Are there issues that could be telling you It is okay to accept less than you deserve. Dear 20-year-old self, don't ever accept less than you deserve. And you deserve to feel loved, cared about, respected. You are worthy of those things. So let's go on and look at the implications for settling for less in our lives. Because it leads us to, I think, value our happiness less. And I think it also just, it it takes us away from, kind of detaches us further and further. Each time we do, I think it detaches us a little more from our core self. From living the authentic life, we become less and less and less of ourselves. So putting up with less than we are worth or selling for less than we deserve, can quickly rob us of our happiness and our energy. And our self-esteem is directly connected to our optimism and outlook, which dictates our energy level and guides us in our purpose in life. So let's find out if we're settling for less. Okay. So let's talk about the relationship between settling and self-esteem. When you lack self-confidence, 
and a decreased sense of self-worth, you are likely to believe you deserve less in life or settle for less than you desire. Self-esteem is a term used to describe your overall sense of personal value or self-worth. It's best described as how much you like and appreciate yourself. So when I teach first grade, be like, it's how much you like and appreciate yourself. And honestly, our self-esteem develops so early in life and is greatly affected by so many different factors. Environment, others, genetic, teachers, peers, cultures. Our personal appraiser of our own behaviors, emotions, beliefs, and appearance all play a role in forming our self-esteem. So our self-esteem influences how motivated we are to succeed in life. Let's think about this. If we don't think we're worthy of happiness or success, how much less likely are we to try harder things, take risks, or even have a positive outlook? Having little confidence in our abilities mean that we will set the bar for ourselves so low and we'll be less satisfied when we achieve any kind of aims. And when we settle for less, we can also, also feel depressed that we didn't get what we really wanted and what we really deserved. There's that chasm between what we know in our core of like, because I think deep down in our core, we all know we're meant for something. And when, when you're so far removed from that, there's such a battle going on and, a, and this chasm. And I think that that, can, that alone causes depression issues. Depression is such a, it's like an epi- epidemic now in our society. And I think this can be one of the reasons why people get just in the muck of depression. Because they're trying to be, act, feel, believe like how other people expect them to you, rather than who they are at their core. And if we think of this, think about it in our relationships, in our career aspirations, and other aspects of our personal life. Settling means we accept something that is less than our real desire or goal. And this can be defeating. Additionally, a lack of self-esteem means that we think we do not deserve to have everything we want. Changing the way we feel about ourselves and what our worth is, is the first step to no longer settling for less in life. When we enhance our self-confidence and a sense of worth, We can see how we do deserve our dreams. We do deserve what we desire. It's okay for those things to come true. And we may not be realizing what is guiding our willingness to settle for less. It's easy to pass the blame to people, circumstances, or forces beyond our control rather than taking ownership of our role in accepting less than our real dreams and desires. I'm going to interject here some personal thoughts and stories and you know, in my life, I, I've settled a lot. I'm going to lean into a couple of those stories here in a moment. But I kept settling. And I kept falling back into the same patterns. I kept doing things over and over and over again that I swore would never happen to me. I would never get in those situations again. Until the day that I looked myself in the mirror and I looked at me. I'm like, you're the common denominator. What, what are, what's going on with you? Figure it out. Like, sometimes we really have to be that brutally honest. And I know brutally honest is 
because you know that's hard to do because we can be partially honest, kind of deeply honest, but to be brutally honest means that we take we take off just all the masks, we take everything off, and we look at ourselves through a lens of I'm going to look at myself as if I was looking into my best friend's life and she was in a bad place and my main mission and goal was to help get her out of it. And we have to do that to ourselves. We have to be so honest with ourselves. And until that day happens, true change will never come in any area of our life. And I can say that because I had settled over and over again. I was proposed to get married for my, uh, um, the day after I got t- turned 21 is when I got married. And I remember the 4th of July, my, um, my ex, he proposed to me. And when he proposed to me, my thought was, what if this is my one and only chance at ever having a guy propose to me and having a chance to be in a relationship for a long time with someone? What 21-year-old thinks that? You know what? It came all the way back down and tied back down to the fact that I felt like I wasn't worthy of having the life that I dreamed of, of having, a, you know, a loving husband and a family and those kind of things. And that I was already asking too much just to be asked to even have a guy who might even be into me. And got divorced after 10 years. Long story there. And, um, and fell into another relationship where I was just, I stayed in it because I was settling and, you know, and I've, and it made me stay in those, these abusive relationships because I couldn't see that I was worth more than that. I saw myself as the source of the problem rather than respecting myself and realizing, no, you don't have to settle here. I settled for, um, unrealistic expectations being put on me and thrown on me at work to just friends taking advantage of me, to just name it on and on. And it was all tied to this one thing because I was settling rather than standing up for myself. Because if we don't stand up for ourselves, what are we ultimately doing? We're settling. So let's talk a little bit more. As I kind of talked about my relationships, let's go a little bit further into that because this is when settling for less affects our relationships. So while settling for less than we can deserve happens in all parts of our life, the most common area where this manifests itself is in relationships, especially romantic ones. There are many ways we settle for less in our chosen partners and even more reasons why we engage in these behaviors. So settling for less in the person you love or are dedicated to means you are doomed to always feeling like you are missing out on something better in life. And there are many reasons why we settle for less in our relationships. Besides those we already talked about, um, it might be believing we don't deserve happiness or aren't worthy of the perfect mate. Our self-worth can allow us to be influenced by the opinions and priorities of others, including our family members and friends. And let's face it, the fear of being alone is a significant reason people often settle for less than their romantic partners. This fear of being without a partner, if you end up in a, if you end in a relationship with a less than perfect person can lead us to stay with spouses and significant others who do not meet our needs and take even further who even abuse us. And that was me. It wasn't until my last relationship had ended 
and um, that one resulted in, that one had ended with cops and just production order and like all that kind of stuff. It was a nightmare of a situation how it ended. But that was the first time I ever stood up for myself was that night when I called the cops. Like, I've been abused many times. I kept silent. And we're talking about y'all from, like, being abused from 20s all the way into, well, even before that. Like, long time. All the way until just, I guess, to three years ago. And I'm 40, so 37. 36, 37. Was the first time I ever stood up for myself and actually picked up the phone and called the cops. But something switched that night. That time when I, when I called the cops, there was something that was switched in my mind. And I was no longer going to settle. And I mean, I'm not going to say that things have been easy, that things were easy. I've gone through some really hard years after that. And, you know, going back to finding the way back to me and just kind of putting some different, undoing the mess I've done of my life, right? Or that way that circumstances have, have laid out. But it wasn't until I decided after that one and I tried to date a little bit more and then suddenly had this realization that I'd been in a relationship, some kind of relationship, pretty much all my life. I did not know what it was to be alone because of this. The fear of being alone. I was so scared that I was going to grow old be all alone and no one to no one to love and care about me. I'll just die alone. That fear would keep me jumping from relationship relationship, being in relationships that I had no right in staying in that were hurting me or me. We just weren't even the right fit. Me, I just forced myself in it. And so, two years ago, and I guess a little over two years ago now, I decided to take a two year. No guy, no dating. Like, I had to be okay with not having anybody. And that process of saying I'm not going to date, I have to learn to be okay. Like, if... And I thought, man, I thought I was going to die through it all. I thought, man, there's no way. Like, how am I going to actually do this? It freaked me out. But it was the most difficult journey and the most freeing journey I went on for two years. And... I'm honestly, I'm okay with if I stay single the rest of my life. Like, I'm okay. This doesn't define me anymore. But that was just the catalyst into actually taking me on this self-esteem journey and lead me down a path of noticing the marks in my life where I had settled, not just in relationships, but every area in my life I was settling. And how to identify those things and how to reverse. So does it reverse what I was doing, like change it, like turn it around and put up red flags so I don't do the same things again and start finding that I do have worth and that, you know, that's okay to be me no matter what anyone else says. And now I can live authentically and I can share something like this because I'm not, I don't care who judges me. I don't care who <laughs> listens and what they say. Of course, we, we don't like being talked negatively, negatively about or bastard or anything, but if people do that, it's okay. They're going to do that anyway, so... That doesn't define me anymore, and I'm not going to settle for less of who I am just to please somebody else who has audacity to talk ill about someone behind their back or even to their face. Like, I believe kindness matters. And so, you know, that's not a person I want in my life anyway. And so I say all that to say that there's 
there's work to be done here. If you find yourself, if this resonates with you, there's work to be done. And the journey isn't easy, but the journey's worth it because I'm here on the other end of it to say that I am the most real and authentic me that I've ever known. I feel more connected with myself and I'm more back to me and who I am and I'm okay with being alone, like totally okay. Not say that if love comes around or something, of course, we all want to have a partner in life, don't we? But it's not something I absolutely am obsessed and have to have. And I don't have to have the approval of other people, have people like me or what, what say good things about me all the time. I'm okay with it now, where I wouldn't be before. So um, continue on. Let's get back to it. So n- I believe that no one should settle for less when it comes to love and recognizing that your partner is not meeting your needs is the first step to bettering your situation and making a different choice. So examining our fear of being single is the first step. That's what I had to do. Whether your fear stems from past rejection, being previously alone for an extended period of time, childhood abandonment issues, or something else, recognize the source of your fear it is necessary for successfully dealing with it. I had a journey back. Like I had to go back around and go, wow, when was the first time I really felt this? Like where was that? And it's hard because it goes back to that being brutally honest with yourself and there's some memories you don't want to have to go back to, right? But sometimes we have to not, to, not to sit in them, but to acknowledge them and say, man, that sucked. That did happen. But you know what? That doesn't define me anymore. Because we totally acknowledge it, accept it, realize it was part of our story, but not defining us. Then we can move on from it. And on top of it, on top of just to complicate the issue, being alone is not something that comes natural to us, Right? We don't normally spend a great deal of time alone when we're young and we're taught by social media, pop, popular culture, that being alone is negative and that others and relationships may make us feel less than when we're not part of a couple, okay? Or I know like for me, it's amazing how, you know, people get married and suddenly you're not part of the group or they have kids and suddenly you don't have kids, you're not part of the group, right? <laughs> um We all want to share our life with someone. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Being alone, though, can also be a wonderful experience. And I think more people need to learn to explore and embrace it. We should all be able to go just sit at a restaurant and have a meal by ourselves. Just go sit and do go listen to music or whatever you like to do. Just do it by yourself and be okay in that moment. Go travel somewhere you know, in a different country by yourself and be okay with doing it alone. Embrace it as you. It's you. I mean, is not loving yourself worth more than loving someone who does not make you truly happy? I'm going to repeat that again. Is not loving yourself worth more than loving someone who does not make you truly happy? Believing in all these fairy tales about being single in today's world, right, can reinforce fears of being alone. Whether the myth is of a, you know, lonely spinster cat lady or the sex-starved cocktail party-goer, we have lots of unrealistic models for being single and not healthy ones. It will be necessary for us to embrace the unknown and explore the possibilities to find ways of being single that works best for us. So what works best for me being single might not be what works best for you. You're individual. You're unique. You define you. And I define me. Being in an unhappy and unfulfilling relationship 
can also lead us to rationalize being with someone who is unkind and abusive to us. And that's me. And once you settle, once you allow yourself in that situation once, you know what? When you get in a second time, you get even more stuck, ladies. And it gets worse and worse. Having the self-confidence to break up with someone who does not have your best interest at heart is courageous. And you can learn, learn great strength from such an act. I, I tell you, I didn't realize how strong I was until I did it. I didn't think, you know what? I think the guy was shocked because I, he didn't expect me to do it because they don't. And if you are in an abusive relationship, if you're someone who is being treated wrong, you owe it to yourself. Get out. Do whatever you have to get out. I mean, from one of mine, I packed my bags and escaped in the middle of the night. Do what you have to to get out, but you can get out. I promise you, you can. Reach out to someone if you have to. Reach out to me. Whatever you have to do, don't, don't feel like you're stuck because you're not. And you deserve better. So how can we tell if we're settling for less in our relationship? Here are some signs that I wrote down to watch out for. Now, these come, these are all the things that I realized that should have been red flags, but I just kind of made them yellow and then non-existent. So, but these are my like non-negotiables now. So these are red flags I've written down that if this ever happens at all, if I ever date again, like this ever, a guy ever this, any of these, it's done. Like it's a non-negotiable red flag. I am done. Okay, if our partner is emotionally or physically abusive to to us or to you, okay, or if you have kids or to your kids, this is a drastic version of the issue, but it's nonetheless a red flag if you're putting someone else's need above your own. So I'm not saying that that's always the case. It doesn't take abuse for you need to get out of a relationship, but no matter what, no one should be abusive to you. You know, if I think too, if if my partner has been dishonest with me and had jamming behind my back maybe more than once and if he ignores the fact that he was he wasn't being trustworthy and like doesn't seek to do something about it or include me in his life then honestly that trustworthiness (laughs) he's he's not trustworthy or she's not trustworthy if someone is going behind your back with other people hoping that you don't find out about it You deserve better than that. If your interests, needs, dreams, and expectations mirror your parents in every way, okay? Or mirror your or mirror your um, partner or mirror your friends or mirror whoever it is. If they mirror anyone but someone else. So if you're if your interests, needs, dreams, and expectations mirror your partners in any way in every way. Or in most ways. This means you have lost your identity. And have sacrificed your identity to become what your mate wants you to be. And this was typical me. Like, when probably there was a... When guys Daniel was more wealthy than I've ever experienced or known in my life. Because I didn't come from a place of that. And and suddenly... Well, in all my relationships. Suddenly, I didn't have any of my own friends anymore. I wasn't doing anything of my own stuff. I was... I mean, you dress and go to go do these events and do all these things like he, his way. And suddenly, when I would try to sit down and just be me and want to do something, it was unacceptable. 
So anytime I try to be me, I was unacceptable. So I learned I'm unacceptable, but it's okay as long as I'm like him. That's not okay. Oof. This one, this one's a huge one. No more, I'm 40 and just now making my business happen. This is it. Your partner tries to stifle your dreams or efforts, does not inspire you, or brings you down in any way. You know, if you have to give up on a dream in your heart that you know is there, if someone gets mad at you for pursuing some other kind of education or pursuing your business or pursuing, I don't know, even volunteer work, anything. If someone is bringing you down, making is if you feel like you're getting pulled further and further down, get away. I think two complete people should come together and they should see where each one they're at and support one another in their dreams, their goals, 100%, right? I cheer you on. You cheer me on. When you succeed, I'm like all over it. And when I succeed, you are. We don't compete with one another. We're individuals. And together we are lifted up. Because we are both going on these these paths where we're becoming better and better every day. And in relation, when we come together, we are inspiring one another and leveling up. And so by being together, we're going to reach better heights than if we were alone. But the moment a guy starts bringing me down... I'm done. If you have sacrificed who you are to please the other person in any way. Oh my goodness. Daily was that one for me. Your partner thinks of his or her own needs before yours. And will often make important decisions without consulting you or asking for your input. You know, something should have been a big red flag to me. I mean, there were many of them. But something... One of my um, exes, he would send me text messages before I'd go to work. I was a school teacher. And they'd be the meanest messages. I would be in tears before I had to go get a classroom of six and seven-year-olds. I had 11 invested all day. What kind of human does that, right? If they are not taking into consideration the fact that you are at work and that you're going to pour into the lives of something or that you have a big meeting and they're there and they're sending you mean messages... Or, you know, not offering you support and stuff you could talk about maybe some other time. If there's issues, right? I think talk about stuff. There should be definitely communication. But my goodness. Like, there are things that they should never happen. And typically, okay, here's the thing. Other people are going to start seeing these things. If other people start pointing out things like, you shouldn't be doing that. You should be, you know, listen to those things. Totally listen to them. Like, don't ignore your friends. Don't ignore that outside input. So... I have a few others, but those are kind of the, those are the big ones, okay? And maybe you might have some that you need to add to because you know it's patterns in your life. But if you find that these describe your relationship, you know, you don't necessarily need to worry about what is wrong or not right about your relationship. You just need to know it's not working for you and it's time to end things. I know that's hard. I know, but I'm, I don't believe in sugarcoating things. I want to be honest with you. Someone needs to stand up and be honest about this stuff, like, it's not for you and things. And, of course, get some support from someone you know or trust. You know, a trained counselor you know, can help you, help you overcome your self-worth or self-esteem issues or gain the courage to do it alone. Or someone like me, like I'm an empowerment coach. This is a big part of what I do is being fit, a fit lifestyle. Why I'm talking this on Friday, fit lifestyle. 
is a place where we are truly who we are, where we talk about issues like this and deal with issues like this. Because you know what? If we have poor self-esteem, we're either going to have eating disorders, we're going to be obese, we're going to spend hours at the gym, we're going to have some kind of other outlet. It's going to come out in some kind of way, some kind of negative way we're dealing with our emotions and this chasm that we're feeling. And so this is a huge part of what I do. That's why I don't say I'm just a personal trainer because, yes, we need to work out. We need to get our nutrition right. But there's so much more to it than that. And we trainers and dietitians, they miss it. I'm telling you, 1,000, I mean, there's so much more to it. We're a holistic person. And we have to look at us, like our complete selves. And especially when it comes to our experiences and our emotions and our beliefs and our mental state. Those have to come in play because until those things are, are fixed, we'll never get sustainable results. So, okay, let's keep going. Why do we settle for less, okay? If we find that we're tolerating our life rather than actually living it, it's time to examine ourselves and our choices to determine why we may be settling. Our self-worth plays a significant role, but lack of confidence can lead to other reasons why we become passive part- participants rather than active leaders in our own lives. So maybe this is happening because we compare ourselves to others, okay? So think about yourself. You know, I want to judge, your, judge yourself against these things. Do you, spend yourself, do you spend your time thinking you are unworthy? Do you expend a lot of energy to sustain a lifestyle that is acceptable for other people rather than creating and defining your own? Do you lack confidence in yourself? Do you fill that void by spending money on things? To create a lifestyle that mirrors others around you. Do you compare yourself to others? Do you more likely focus on building a life that looks like others versus the one that you feel like you deserve? So maybe it's in your behaviors and your patterns. Okay, and of course, we all, we all I think any human struggles comparing them to some, themselves to others. But it's becoming comfortable enough in who you are where you don't you you catch yourself and you don't go those ways. But yeah, I mean, I can say yes to all those. Yeah, at some point in my life, luckily now, no, not I mean, every now, I have my days, so I'm not gonna say totally no, but it doesn't. It's not a daily thing anymore. Okay, do you refuse to accept responsibility? You know you do if when you okay. So when you lack self worth, you may find that you have trouble accepting responsibility for what happens to you in your life. If you do not believe in your own power to make a difference and enact change in the world and that bad things just seem to happen to you, then do you realize that you're actually bringing some of those choices into your life? That you're actually saying that those choices, those things are, it's okay that those things happen? When you are able to value yourself and your needs, you place more emphasis on your ability to change and better your life, which means you're less likely to settle for second best. And like it says, that brutally honest again, we have to get brutally honest with ourselves. It's not that till I look in the mirror and I go, Jen, you are the main, you are the common denominator here. What can you change? Because you can't change anybody else. The only person you can change is you. And sometimes we have, it takes hard work and we have to be like, man, okay, yes, things have happened to me that I didn't ask, but I'm the one that decides what I do with it. Do I sit in it and let it define me and control me? Or do I stand up and go, I'm changing this. I'm going to do the hard work. And I'm going to learn to love myself, 
to find the way, road back to myself and to be all that I was supposed to be and turn my mess into my message that helps other people through their mess. But we have to make the choice. I can't make that choice for you. Friends can't make that choice. You have to make that choice yourself. Okay, and then, well, this is a big, was a big one for me. Are you avoiding pain? <laughs> when your self-esteem is low, you automatically expect the worst or think that things will go wrong. Therefore, you're more focused on what you can, what you can lose and likely set for something that is not matching your needs in order to avoid a negative outcome. Avoidance of pain places you into a productive bubble that emphasizes security over happiness, which preparates for settling behaviors. And, you know, I know I, I was always so scared of, like, feeling. I didn't want to feel. Like, I just wanted to, like... So, yeah, I always put this productive bubble in. But you know what? I wouldn't, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't be brave. Last year, my theme, word, my theme phrase was be brave. Because being brave meant doing things that I normally wouldn't do because it meant that I was going to have to feel. And it meant that I could, that I might get, yeah, I might fail. I might, I might feel pain. I might feel, you know, all these wide range of things. I might have to be confronted with something that I was like avoiding, whatever it was. But I had to be brave and show up. And I so wish I was starting that sooner in life. It's this big scary monster that's actually on the other side of it is the is your like promise land? It's like where you're wanting to go, being brave and feeling and and stopping in a productive bubble. It might seem like security, but really, I think it's just bondage. I think those are the chains in themselves because they're keeping us from our true happiness and our true self. Okay, are you not self-aware? So when you do not feel confident about yourself and your choices. I think we become reluctant to critically examine what's really happening deep inside. Okay, that's that brutally honest. You know, it's brutally honest. It's coming up a lot today. Getting in touch with your own flaws, my flaws, my insecurities and mistakes is a scary monster. Let's face it. And one that we tend to avoid at all costs when our self-confidence is already struggling. Because what happens? We, who wants to look at all the bad in their life when they already feel like, like nothing, Right? But seeking to find the deeper causes for our low self-esteem issues is so much more important than simply trying to just to be like, just blow through and just be okay with where we are in life, right? Just act like we're fine. It's fine. Just keep surface level. Without addressing the underlying issues that have led to our low self-worth, we will likely continue to engage in these types of settling behaviors that have led us to where we are now. How do you know if your self-esteem needs work, though, right? Well, lucky for you, I made a list. So let's talk about self-esteem. How do we know if it actually needs work? So being able to address problems with our self-worth requires us recognizing the issue first. Always, We always have to recognize the issue. It's like all the 12-step programs. Like, I have a problem. <laughs> so you may not even realize your sense of self is lagging or that you're settling for less in life. I mean, for me, you have told me that. I mean, my parents told. I mean, my parents even told me that when I like was going to get married, and I was like, "No, I'm not." And um, so sometimes you really don't, but really it's just because I was stuffing everything out. I didn't want to believe it myself, you know. So knowing the signs of low self-esteem and engaging in reflection about those thoughts and behaviors can actually help us assess our problems, 
so we can find potential solutions. Okay, let's think through this. So my thought process when I was coming up with this, so when bad things happen in our life, right? Do I deserve, do I do, I think that maybe I deserve that outcome. Okay. Do I expect to be treated poorly by others? Do I not deserve happiness or proper treatment by others? Those are signs of a, of a lack of self-confidence. That you deserve less leads to settling for less than your dreams and your desires. Think back to me. 21. This might be the only time I'm ever going to get proposed to you. and My only chance at love and happiness. Okay, another thing. Consistently placing other needs and wants above your own is another sign that you lack self-worth. And I think mamas out there... Sometimes when you say, oh, I do it for the kids, it's all about the kids, I'm just trying to be a good mom. But honestly, sometimes, in fact, I say a lot of times I find that mamas, it's, it's, it can be a self-confidence issue, just to be honest with you. I see you pouring your, yourself into your kids, into your husband, into your communities, into your job, but not into yourself. And we have an, we have in such a large obesity rate, such so much mental health issues and even heart health, all these things are coming up because of a lack of self-esteem. You know, everyone wants to point out what all these causes are of why we have all these issues. And I think how it boils back to the same thing. We don't value ourselves the way we should. We have stinking thinking. Our mindset's not right. And our beliefs about ourselves aren't right. Until we change those things, we're not going to see a turnaround of any of it. So while it's honorable to show up for others and put other ones up, up above yourself, I believe in that truly. Like I play it for like all the things. Like I live by that, you know, everyday kindness and stuff. But the problem is I was doing this too. When our behavior con- consistently always places our own needs below others, we need to critically examine this behavior. When we place more importance on the happiness of others, we will also be settling for something that does not match our true needs. It's okay. We all have needs. Mom, it's okay for you to tell your partner or your husband or your parents or whoever it is that watch your kid, hey, I need a break. I need some time for me. Like I need, I need, someone needs to help me out here. That's okay. This doesn't mean you're failing. It's okay to say, no, sorry, we have too much on our plate. Like we can't do another activity. I can't. Can't make that tonight for for the school or whatever. I have to do something. Do something. For you, you need to do things for you. Okay. Another habit that is common with those who have low self esteem is constantly apologizing. Oh my gosh! People used to point this out all the time in my life. Jen, you say sorry about everything. I mean, somebody would spill like their glass of water, or, you know, their cup of water across the room, and what was? Oh, I'm so sorry. Like, like it was my fault. Okay, so apologies even when we have like no control of the situation or don't do anything wrong. When others treat us poorly, right, or disrespect us, or others do something wrong, it's essential that they apologize for the bad behavior. I remember um, once one of my exes got so mad, he, he pounded his fist on top of um, one of his appliances and it, and it made a big dent in it, okay? And who got blamed? It was my fault. And he, was, and he was like, every time I look at this now, I'm going to remember what you did. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I felt so bad. But was I the one that hit that? No. Not at all. 
And so do not allow anyone to make you feel bad when you didn't do anything. And certainly not do not offer apology unless you have done something truly wrong. Um, and also, we had to be careful. Our self-worth is not tied to our job, how much money we have, or any achievement. Those are things you do, not who you are. I want you to hear me here because this is a tough one for me because, I mean, I, man, I, I tied my identity for a long time to teaching. So your self-worth is not tied to your job, how much money you have, or any of your achievements. Those things are, are what you do, but not who you are. Basing your self-esteem on accomplishments is a surefire way to find yourself crashing in the confidence department at the first sign of failure. This way of thinking forces us to avoid possible missteps or take risks that could result in failure. And a lack of self-confidence can also feel us, leave us feeling useless and hopeless. It causes behaviors like giving up, delaying starting something that is important to us. And those are classic examples of settling. If we find we're avoiding situations, delay taking an action, or just do not have the energy to start something that is important to us, our self-esteem may be playing a role in how we are feeling and acting. When we feel less than confident, it's easy to ignore ourselves or our parents. When we stop attending to how we look, what we are eating, how well we are taking care of our body, your self-confidence is definitely, definitely low. And that could go from having a lot of weight to being having an eating disorder and barely having weight. Me, like, let me tell you, when I was 78 pounds, right? I mean, do you think I, uh, I know, it's at a point where I, you know, I even stopped taking care of myself in any one of those areas. Like, I just wanted to, it's like I wanted to fade away from the world, right? I already felt like I was dying from away. And sometimes people will eat a lot and stuff down their emotions because they want to they want to feel like they're hiding deep inside. No one can touch them. No one can touch them. They don't gonna get hurt their core because they're surrounded by outside. Like it's it's like they're they're surrounded by they're like putting pillows on or something, so then their heart's not touched. I say a lot of times, and you hear me say this again and again, that eating disorders and being obese or overweight, at the core of it, people think it's about eating. It's not. They think, people think it's about control. It's not fully. You know what it is about? It's about the value that we have for ourselves. This self-esteem plays a huge role into us that we, we don't value our worth. We don't value who we are. We, external things have so come in the way. And often we're settling. And so if you know someone who's around with an eating disorder, who's someone who's overweight, to... Think that all they need is to figure out to get a handle on their eating. That's not the problem. Just so you know, not the problem at all. Not even close. Yes, does that will that play a role in like getting there and managing that? Yes, but that's not where the work needs to start. If you are over, severely already dealing with eating disorder, yes, you need to start moving and you need to start working on your nutrition. But you need to hire a coach who knows how to help you through your emotional your like your self-esteem, your mental, who's going to meet you where you are and help you battle day to day with what things are coming your way, with what thoughts and behaviors and help you change those things over time so it becomes lasting. So that's you. Reach out to me. I'm here for you. I, I lived it. That's why I created the 180 Fit Body Mind Method because it's my method because I couldn't find a way, so I had to create my own. 
So it's something I've journeyed through and I've lived through. And I can testify it works. But it's it takes work and you need to make sure you have someone that you can trust. So that's you. Don't don't be hesitant. Like reach out to me, message me, and I'd be I'd be happy to just just talk to you and hear your story and hear where you are. I don't want you to feel like there's no hope for you. And I'll make sure I have my email and everything in the show notes. So just check the show notes. Or if you just want to remember 180fit at gogenfitness.com. Jen has one N. All right. Let's keep going. Okay. So we may even rationalize why we can eat that unhealthy meal. Or we don't need to worry about how we look today. If we notice that we're engaging in these behaviors, it's time to work on our sense of self. So here are a few other signs you may want um, to invest in some time and attention to your sense of self. You are very eager to fall in love with someone. If your value is tied up in your ability to attract a mate, you may not feel super confident about yourself. You think about dying alone. Oh my goodness, was that not mine? (laughs) Can you tell I made this list? (laughs) If you have decided it's better to be with someone rather than face the future by yourself, your self-worth may be lagging. You have a track record of dating people who are unhealthy for you. This is my list. I'm being very open and honest, you guys, because this is my list of, like, my story. Um, You value the happiness of others over your own. You give yourself so freely that you are left wanting. You are clingy. If you value the attention of others so much that you have a hard time letting go once they have shown you little, little, you're likely facing self-confidence issues. And if you trust everyone unconditionally and you are being taken so advantage of, you lack a sign of self-confidence. Now, maybe you only hit one or two of those. That was my list. That's me, you guys, right there, okay? Because this is my red flag list. So that was like, however many of that was, there's 11 things or whatever. Um, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, something like 11 of those. Those are all me, okay? So that's, so know that if you've hit all, if you hit all those, you're not alone because that was me, okay? And you might have some others you can add to that. So now let's talk about Let's turn that, okay? So those are the things. What can we actually do? Because you know I want like practical. What can we actually do to build our confidence and stop settling? This is what I did. Okay, this is through a lot of trial and error. And let's try and figure things out and reading different articles and blogs and books and all these kind of things to figure out how I could kind of find my way back to me and gain my self-confidence back and actually thrive again in life. And so these are the top ones I think made... I think these are the ones that made the most significant um, measurement of progress and stopping myself from settling, building my confidence, and ultimately finding myself again and thriving and being authentic and real and not willing to compromise ever again. So if you are tired of settling for less than you deserve in life, it's get time to get busy boosting our confidence. So what we're going to do is we're not going to focus on the things that we're Doing right. I'm going to focus on creating some things to do right. And we're going to put our energy in these things. And the other things we're going to let fall off, okay? So we have to put together... Um, so I put together my favorite confidence-boosting kind of strategies and activities. So number one, visualize a stronger you. Visualization is a powerful tool, tool that can help us gain confidence. So imagine your life as the best possible scenario. And honestly, I never. this was one of the last ones I learned. It was from... Back in September when I was listening to Tony Robinson and Dean Garziosi on a program I got bought from them. And they talked about, Mitch, Dean said, picture yourself a year from now. Like, if you had the best year of your life, what would that be? So think of everything you want. 
You are able to achieve all your dreams. You're in a happy relationship. You can achieve all your professional and professional and personal goals. Now, the key here, though, is not only do you need to visualize it, but you need to feel it. Like uh, Tony Robbins said that, you have to put feeling to it. Attach feeling to it, and it becomes real, okay? So feel the way it feels. And then write it down. Draw a picture of what it actually looks like. Okay, and put the and draw out the feelings, draw out what's going around you, the circumstances. Visualization can help us focus on a goal that makes steps towards actually achieving it. And if you can help see where you are and stop settling for less in your current life. Okay, number two, no more rationalizations. Next time you catch yourself making an excuse for someone else's bored behavior, stop. When you settle for the lesson you want, then rationalize how others behave. Are you enabling their continued bad behavior and not making your situation better? Listen to yourself. Pay attention to your words. Recognize how their excuses are only making your situation worse. See, I discovered this because in my two years of no dating, I decided to get some female friendships. I thought were really good friendships. And you know what? They became the equivalent of a bad dating relationship. And I like just rationalized <laughs> you know, their behavior. And honestly, I was just enabling them to continue their bad behaviors when I was trying to like empower them and help them. But it wasn't. I was just making their situation, just encouraging them in it by helping them out too much and making my situation so much more worse. So no more rationalizations. Stop saying yes all the time. If you do not want to do something or do not agree with something, don't say yes. If you're always agreeable, you'll never actually get what you want. Your words, your actions should reflect your wants and needs. When others ask your opinion, be honest. Tell them. Be honest about what you want. And you will find, you'll find that you have to settle for less of what you don't. And I, so I've said this before. Like, Dean Garzoz, he said, figure out the buckets in your life. Like, these are my buckets. This is what, like, these three buckets are my life. This is why I want to invest my time and energy into it. Everything that comes through goes filters against those buckets. If it doesn't filter one of the buckets... It's a no, because you have your priorities and you respect yourself enough. That alone freed me to say, to, to stop saying yes so much, because I was like, I had the hardest time saying no. No is not something I want in my vocabulary, ever. It will transform your life. I'm a motivational speaker when I'm not doing this, but and the reason I do really well as a motivational speaker, because I know what I'm talking about. You know, I, I, you're looking at somebody been been at the bottom before. So I'm not like some rich dude whose mama and them had some money and gave me some money. Now I'm telling y'all how to get over. No, I'm going to tell you how to get over because I've been under. I'm going to tell you how to get up because I've been down. I'm, I'm going I'm, I'm to tell you how to finish because I got off to a bad start. So I love this because make a list. Make a list of all your like dreams and stuff. And I'm going to actually play a segment here because this is what... I never thought about this until I heard this. And this was one of, gosh, it was such a defining season for me. Back in December, I ran across this video. Now, it's Steve Harvey. Like, if you guys don't follow him, and he's the bomb. Like, totally make sure you follow him. I love him. Love, love his stuff. And he totally shifted some things in my life and brought some clarity to some things I was really struggling with. And he, this is something that he said, and this is where I get the idea of the list from. Because everybody I know want to be happy. Everybody I know want to be successful. I had a severe stuttering problem. I couldn't talk outside my house. I ain't do well in school ever. 
I ended up flunking out of school. I'm on my third marriage. I lost everything I've owned twice. I've been homeless and lived in the car for three years. I'm finna tell you what I know. This ain't no fancy rich boy answer. No theories, no no. You ain't got to buy no program to do this. You ain't got to go sign up. I'm telling you right now. What I'm finna tell you, if you apply it right now, can change your existence. They don't have it written down. This is a very, very important piece to success. It's a principle of success. Every wealthy person knows this. I don't know nobody wealthy don't have a vision board. I don't know nobody wealthy don't have their stuff written on a piece of paper. I don't know nobody. I know a lot of people doing good. We have discussed it at great lengths. They showed me some of their vision boards that why I had to go back and change mine. I went, whoa, whoa, whoa. But you got to have a vision board that's got to be written down. This ain't no magic trick. If you up your ask and you write everything you want from God on a piece of paper. Now, here's the exercise I want you to do. This going to trip you out. Write everything you want from God on a piece of paper. Be as detailed as you can. Write it down. The object for you is to write down 300 things. Because I know 300 things that you could use. It's going to be hard for you. When you get to number 75, you're going to get stuck. Because your mind isn't conditioned to think way out there. So you're going to try to stay in your little list. But I want you to just open up your imagination. If you could have anything you wanted, put it on a piece of paper. But seriously, take five minutes and read your list every night, every morning. One year from today, one, wait one year from today, and take a pen out and go down on your list and check off anything that has happened for you that's on that list. At the end of one year, you will be stunned, absolutely stunned at how much stuff comes off that list. I promise you, at least 30 things will be off that list. At minimum, 10% of your list will come true. You know how I know? Because I know a lot of people that done done it. But you know how I really know? Because I did it. So, my challenge is for you to do that. I did it. I did it the evening of the... I'm coming into the new year, January 1st. Um, actually, that was the first time I ever spent New Year's alone, New Year's Eve alone. I'd never done it, so I decided that it was time for me to do it. It was the most precious night that I've ever had. Um, just focusing on what I wanted for the year. You know... Um, when we love ourselves enough, it means that we love ourselves enough to write down what we really want. And we'll find that, you know, for ourselves, what purpose we really want. We'll find that our purpose is so much more than what we could ever imagine. Like, there's there's a shift I found that happens as you write that list. So, dedicate 300 things. The thing is, if we, if we actually do that, okay, if you make a big list of all the things you want, maybe you have areas of your life that you're already pretty satisfied with others you are more lacking. What else would make you happy? What are the dreams that you gave up on? Wishes that you've compromised? Include those things. Anything. What are your goals? This list actually what does? And I'm just like I just this in January. This was this is my like latest ad. Um go back to the core of you. Tap into that. Tap into that child you used to dream.
and make this your list. And I guarantee you, like, I would love to know, like, what happens and comes true. I would love to know how many of them get crossed off even by just this next year, throughout this next year, by December 31st. I think we will be amazed. I already am. And it's just a couple months in. This list, you know, it creates a momentum for us to stop putting our needs on hold and focus on us for a while. And that's okay because when we're living our best selves, we show up more for other people. And keep that list in a place where you can always see it. So you never forget. I read through like so much. I mind, you know, since there's 300, okay? So 300 is a lot. So divide it up whether you want to do five days of it or seven days. And I just have it in seven, seven you know, I, certain ones I read on Sunday, certain ones I read on Monday. And by the way, every week I'm reading through all of them. And they're in the forefront of my brain. So when things come up, you know, it's so amazing. Like when they're in the forefront of your brain, you, re- you make connections and like things happen, you're like, whoa, that's like on my list. All right, next, get help from a friend. Ask someone you know and trust to hold you accountable in your efforts and stop settling for less in life. This accountability partner can help you deal with your feelings as you work on your self-confidence and provide areas for things that may boost your self-esteem and can be an ear to listen when you're having a hard time. And honestly, they can also, if you find the right person, um... I, I mean, I, I have to say I'm really blessed in this way because this person just happened to end up being around in my life and very unexpected. But, um, you know, she asked me questions. She doesn't give me answers. She asked me questions. And those questions make me really think. Like she's really good at asking questions. I don't even know how to describe it. And it makes me think. Like, really think. And then suddenly... I see it. Like, I see, the, I see the answer. I see what the truth is. And so I think a really good friend sometimes doesn't give you the answer, but ask the right questions. Like, makes you come up with you. Because if we come up with our answer, we own it, right? It's ours. If we're told what to do, if you're like me and rebellious, you're not going to want to hear it. So, and plus being accountable to someone, um, we always stay on track and move forward. And, you know, I mean, gosh, I had, you know... If, if I ever have a really good girlfriend again or someone really close, I mean, one of the things I'm going to ask them is, please let me know if you see me start, like, moving into these ways or these patterns and stuff. Because um, being accountable, and that's one of the big things even with the, like, empowerment coaching, empowerment groups is that, you know, you have a place where you can be accountable in a safe place, you know, and that people are going to love and accept you, but they're also going to let you know when you're moving back into old patterns and old ways and choosing, not choosing you. And then be kind to yourself, okay? And it's so funny because I'm always like, be kind, be kind, because I'm all about kindness, and it's been innate in me. Like, my whole thing in life since I was a child is how many people can I make happy today? Like, for me, it was just making them smile. And then it changed into how can I be kind today in every way? And I filter everything through the lens and the filter of kindness first, so, but the thing is, I wasn't doing it to myself. I was very harsh on myself, and I can still be. This is something I have to keep in check. And I, what I realized is I have to be, just like I filter everything through through kindness first with other people, I need to do that with myself. So change the little voices in your head <laughs> to positive ones and encouraging messages. Talk to yourself in the same way you would to someone you love and respect. When you hear negative thoughts creeping in your mind, stop them. 
and say something nice to yourself. And sometimes it takes time. What I say is have two phrases that you can say to yourself, ready to go, that you have memorized, so that when something creeps in, because you're not going to be able to think of something, like, right on the spot, okay? Because you're going to be filled with muck. Have them, like, ran down somewhere you can grab by your computer, wherever you are, on your the front of your phone, so you just pick up your phone and you can say them. I swear, like, stopping them dead in their tracks and saying something else, um, it makes it so they don't have any power to actually define you and bring you back to down to a place you don't want to go. Okay, separate yourself from your circumstances. One important reminder about working on self-worth is that not only are you not your accomplishments, but you're not your circumstances. You have the same potential and worth now as you had the day you were born. No matter how life has transpired, that has not, and this one's hard for me, that, that has not changed because for the longest time I felt like things that have in my life totally defined me. By coming to the place of realizing that I am not the things that have happened to me in the environment in which I've lived or work or any other, any circumstances in my life. I am just me. You are just you. I am worthy of happiness and peace. You are worthy of happiness and peace just because you are you. Period. And remember that mistakes are just chances to learn. So focusing on my past failures, mishaps, mistakes. Remember, how do we grow? By making mistakes. We can instead view them as opportunities and feedback. I mean, when we stumble, we learn something about ourselves and the world we didn't know before. Use this information to empower you and move forward. And so I started looking at totally transparent. Like I, I'm willing to take more risks than I ever have in my life. And I'm okay if I mess up. Or I'm all about now. My theme for this year is consistent progress over perfection. Because I realized, like, it's okay. Like, those mistakes, I haven't taught my kids this. And that, but, yeah, I guess I had struggled to apply it in my life. Is that, you know, mistakes is how we, that's how we learn. That means we're learning. It's evidence we're learning. And plus, dwelling on the obstacle will not help us anymore. But learning from our experience can. And it definitely makes us stronger and better person moving forward. We all make mistakes. But it's what we do with those errors that determine who we become. Okay, become inspired by others, okay? One of the best things I ever did was find Tony Robbins and Dean Garziosi. And, like, I tell you, finding those two guys and Brene Brown and uh, Stephen Harvey, like, those people, oh, my gosh. I can't believe before, like, August, I didn't know these people. So find people that you admire, the confidence and positive self-esteem. Pay attention to how they behave, how they treat others, how they talk about themselves. And if you can find my, I'm still looking, like I'm trying to find someone like in my life that I can be more part of their world and, and learn from them and, and, you know, help them and do things so I could learn how they approach and deal with life. Because I feel like I, my life has been so tainted by situations and circumstances I've been in that sometimes I feel like I don't, I'm not responding and being at the level I could be because I just don't know how. I don't know what that looks like. And so if you can find someone who's who emulates a certain confidence or or a certain character traits or a certain way that you would like to be, see if you just offer say, "Hey, can I come and just help you out once a week doing stuff?" And that way you could observe and serve with them and and understand. And I guess um what did I hear? Okay, I hear said said that, you know, um characters more caught than taught. And so you know, we need to catch those kind of, we, we need to actually be in there and experiencing them. And then focus on what we can change. P- personal development is hard work. 
once we start digging around in our brain and looking into those dark closets, you may find some things you had not thought about in some time. You may also realize there are some circumstances in your life that may be contributing to your sense of self. Through the process, focus only on those things that are within your control. You can control others' act or what is going to happen in the future. So be sure your energy is directed in the places where you can make an actual impact. When I started doing this, <clears throat> you know, things really come up. And especially if you, if you have some difficult, if you have a difficult past or some difficult things that happened as a child, those things can be haunting things, especially if you didn't learn a healthy way to deal with them or um, be with the emotions behind them and stuff. They could be just way back there. And when you go here, they could totally bring you back down. But always remember, step, take yourself, like, out of it and act like you're looking within at, at someone else or at a friend's life and you're seeing those things. And what would you say? Are there parts of that that are contributing to what you are doing now? Because all we can do is, man in the mirror, right right now, all I can do is change what it's things in my circumstances now that I can control. And I've even, I even made a list of, okay, and I put on a list and I made it kind of like a T-chart. I put, put my issues, right? And then I and I listed all the things I saw were, like, issues that were contributing to my self-esteem. And then I put a comment that said, things that happened can't change. They were, accept, accept them for what they were. So those things are things that just have happened in my past. They're gone. They're not, they're not in my present now, but they might still be affecting my present because I haven't actually acknowledged them. Maybe felt a little bit of the pain and, like, acknowledged that that sucked. But there's nothing more I can do with it. I mean, unless it, I can, the most I can do is take those experiences and turn them, turn my message into a message that'll help others. But outside that, I can't do anything else. And then my other one was things from the past that are still present. And some of those, a lot of those are behaviors. Like, um, especially behaviors tied to like eating disorders or behaviors that are tied to any source of control or anxiety, those kind of things are obsessive compulsive or, um, just even being fearful or those kind of things. So they stem from something in the past, right? But there's some part of this so prevalent in my um, in the current. And so I need to look at those and evaluate what needs to be changed. And then I put things now, they're happening right now, that I, that need to change that I can control. Okay? And then I, my last one was things happening now that I can't control. Okay? I need to accept those as things I can't control. And learn that they don't define me, like separate myself from them. But there's nothing more I can do. My chief focus is how to go on those those two columns in between, right? And if you if you really worry about the future, you might want to put another one that things in the future that there's no way I can control, right? It's unknown. We're not given it that we'll have next breath. So, but those two columns of things from the past are still have uh, have some kind of you know tied to me now. There, I'm showing some kind of patterns or behaviors. They're affecting me. And then things in the current that are happening that are affecting me. And those two, those things I can change. Okay? And that's where we put our energy in. Okay? And we focus on changing those things because do we have a choice? Yes. Can we change? Yes. Does it sometimes suck? Yes. Is it worth it? Completely. Okay? And then the last one I put in, this was something. So I'm glad I actually did this. And I just, just need to get out and do something different. Learn something new. You know, a lack of self-confidence in one area may stem from a lack of knowledge. If you want to feel more confident, learn how learn to help improve your skills. You know, you could take a class, read a book, get a mentor, watch some games. 
Learning may, more can give you a boost. You need to feel more competent and, ab- and able to handle new situations. So just, you know, try something new. And like for me, I, you know, I, I got bought some really good programs for my business, but they also had like mindset stuff. Or join my free Facebook group, my 180 Fit Body Mind Tribe group and Facebook. And I could go over mindset stuff there. That way you have some other way of looking at things in this outside perspective and you learn new ways and you can actually, just like this, you can identify things through a different lens. All right, so final thoughts. And you want to stick around for the last little part because I think it's one of the most powerful things I could share with you. Um, but our sense of self is ultimately what guides our decisions, motivations, and outlook on life. We lack self-confidence. We automatically think we deserve less in life. And therefore, we settle for less than what we should because we don't determine that we do matter and we don't place an emphasis on our needs and we don't value that we are important so learning to feel more confident is not a matter about being kind to ourselves alone sometimes it actually a lot of times I would dare say most of the time with people I work with especially my own experience and people I work with it's something deeper underlying issues that have caused that lack of self-esteem and that's why sometimes we need to get help and Lisa, I am here for you. If you are someone who needs help, you've tired, you tired of like running around different people and trying to do it yourself, please allow me to join you on the journey and get you to the point where you can live free and your authentic self and move past these barriers. I, I say it from my own experience that there is hope. I'm not someone who really felt like there wasn't hope, like was really stuck in her, in her muck. And so there's hope for me, there is hope for you. And make sure you you send me an email or go to my um, www.180fitbodymind.com and schedule an appointment with me, just in a, a free empowerment session. All of you get one. And so your free 60-minute empowerment session with me. And so take advantage of that. And let's just talk through some stuff. And allow me to hear you and hear your story. But anyway, um, to end today, there was a... When Pink had won an award one year, Pink, the music artist, she said something in a speech. And I'm going to play that for you now. Because I can't think of a better way to end this. And what she has to say. And I would wish that each one of us could have heard our mama say this when we were kids. But if you're a mama... Right, when I see kids, my nieces, nephews, we can say this to them. That way, maybe it stops so many self-esteem issues in the future. All right, here again, we turn it off over to Pink. I know I don't have a lot of time, but if I may tell you a quick story. Um, recently, I was driving my daughter to school, and she said to me, out of the blue, Mama, say yes, baby. She said, I'm the ugliest girl I know. And I said... Huh? And she was like, yeah, I look like a boy with long hair. And my brain went to, oh my God, you're six. Why, where is this coming from? Who said this? Can I kick a six-year-old's ass? Like what? (laughs) But I didn't say anything. And instead I went home and I made a PowerPoint presentation for her. And in that presentation were androgynous rock stars and artists that live their truth, are probably made fun of every day of their life, and carry on and wave their flag and inspire the rest of us. And these are artists like Michael Jackson and David Bowie and Freddie Mercury. 
and Annie Lennox and Prince and Janis Joplin and George Michael, Elton John, um, so many artists. There was, it was her eyes glazed over. Um, but then I said, you know, I really want to know why you feel this way about yourself. And she said, well, I look like a boy. And I said, well, what do you think I look like? And she said, well, you're beautiful. And I was like, well, thanks. <laughs> But I say when people make fun of me, it's that's what they use. They say that I look like a boy or I'm too masculine or I'm too, I have too many opinions. I, my body is too strong. And I said to her, I said, do you see me growing my hair? She said, no, mama. I said, do you see me changing my body? No, mama. Do you see me changing the way I present myself to the world? No, mama. Do you see me selling out arenas all over the world? Yes, mama. Okay. So, baby girl. We don't change. We take the gravel in the shell and we make a pearl. And we help other people to change so that they can see more kinds of beauty. And to all the artists here, I'm so inspired by all of you. Thank you for being your true selves and for lighting the way for us. I'm so inspired by you guys. There's so much rad happening right now in music. And keep doing it. Keep shining for the rest of us to see. And you, my darling girl, are beautiful. And I love you. Dear 20-year-old self, life will have its up and downs. Only you can turn your fortunes around. It's hard to comprehend what lies around the corner. You need to have faith in yourself and look towards a brighter future. It's reaching for your hopes, your aspirations, and your dreams. It's believing in yourself in order to achieve. Don't let anything hold you back. Dig deep when you feel like it's confidence that you lack. Everything in life happens for a reason, like the reasoning behind the changing of the seasons. The journey you make helps you grow as a person, planting seeds of growth, leading to elevation. Do not procrastinate. Do not compromise and don't delay. Grasp each and every opportunity to be who you are every day. All right. Thank you so much for listening. I know it was a longer segment. I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Reach out to me anytime. Please make sure you like this so it gets more people can find this. Um, send me in your questions, or your comments. I'd love to hear from you. You can also leave me a voice message on here as well. If you go to the Anchor, I think it's uh, if you go to w.anchor.com backslash 180fit, you can actually leave me a voice message and communicate with me on there. I'm working on getting an official website up, so that should be up soon as well, that we could do a blog and follow those kind of things. But until then, go live this fit lifestyle. Thanks for listening today. Once again, this is Jen with 180fit. Be kind, be brave, live authentically, and always shine. Until next time, go live the fit life. Hey, what's up, 180 Fit My Diet Rebels? Welcome to Monday Mindset and Motivation. We are going into our next section for um, a worthy life, living a life that matters and that where we can end our lives and look back and say, man, I showed up. I did it. I I lived just full out and played full out, and I did accomplish what I was supposed to. And, you know, I think we all search for that legendary life to live something meaningful, and yet we so struggle with it so many times because we just don't know how to get there. And so this whole 10-part series is a roadmap to help us get there. And we started out, let me review real quick kind of our lessons prior to this or podcasts or talks prior to this 
and then we'll dive into today's. And today's, I'm so excited about. Today's a really, really important one. So stay tuned. Today's going to really, um, if you've ever questioned anything about, like, am I living to my fullest potential? Am I doing what I'm supposed to do? Today I'm going to uncover, hopefully help you uncover that. If the, if you are, clarify it. Or if you're confused, if you don't know where to begin, hopefully really get you to zone in on what you, what's your purpose here? Like, where what are you supposed to do in this lifetime? So the first thing we talked about, our first one, was just simply being aware of where we are and being honest, like that brutally honest, if this is where I am, right, and dreaming big of where we want to go, like what does that person look like, What where is that, if you could say, man, in a year from now, if I am living my life full of purpose and on the direction to the point where I could end, when my life is over, I know that accounted for something, what does that person look like? And then we said we need to create like a roadmap because we can't get anywhere without a map, right? We'll just be wandering in the desert for years and years and years. And then the second week we looked at that we had to really invest in our physical health because, of course, if we're not taking care of ourselves, we'll never be living our best selves. So really, that means we need to improve our diet or exercise more and take care of ourselves, like visit our doctors, you know, get, you know, dentist and, and all those kind of things. Make sure that if we're not feeling well, that we go get checked out and are aware of what's going on so we could find solutions to it and we talked about our mental health and we spent a little bit of time on this one because this kind of we did it kind of a summary the first week and then we kind of dove in deep the next few weeks but the mental health is so vital and we talked about how a quarter million or quarter of people suffer from a mental health issue in their lifetime and so we needed to we talked about learning the benefits of meditation how to practice self-love every day and celebrate our wins. How about maybe how yoga is another way to help us kind of clear our minds or um, journaling our thoughts, how to really express our feelings in a healthy way and organize our thoughts and clarify our problems. And then we talked about letting go, like and especially letting go of negativity. And if we're negative or if we hold on to things, that's a key thing that holds us back from success. And so we learned to recognize our negative self-talk and steps to avoid it. Learn to fail forward and embrace mistakes and learn from them and help them launch us into the next level of self. And then last week we looked at and looked at our thought patterns and looked at how we can turn those thought patterns into actually a winner's attitude and how to look at it from, through a different lens and turn them into empowering thoughts. And so really believing that anything is possible. That we, and through that we need to learn to forgive ourselves, learn new skills, step out of our comfort zone, embrace what makes us unique. Um, don't believe conspiracy theories that hold us back. Surround ourselves with positive people. Proximity is power. Let go of those toxic relationships and be proactive with our life. Today, we are looking at your place and your purpose. My place and my purpose in this world. So many times we all say, man, I wish I knew what the purpose of my life was. I wish I knew what I was supposed to do. Or we know that you were made for something more, but you're just stuck. You're not there. You don't know quite what it is. And so today we're going to look at, um, I took a whole, I have a weekend workshop that I do on finding out your passion and your purpose in life. And so what I did is I took that and I kind of narrowed it down into some key components that I think are the most valuable of what I shared during that weekend. And we're going to go through that today. So a few things that we're going to be looking at today is, first we're going to look at the benefits of discovering and living our life's purpose. We, we look at questions. I think the key questions to reveal the purpose for our lives. 
how to find our purpose through maybe through um, different things like writing, meditation, and then we're going to look at seven other questions that dig us a little deeper into life's purpose, into our life's purpose, and how to make our purpose part of our life. So some exciting things to do today, and I can't wait. So let's get started with part part one. All right. So let me first start with by asking you a question: Do you wake up each day dreading the idea of spending another day at work? So many times I hear people dreading work, like, "Oh man, Monday's coming." Man, if we're living life on purpose, Monday's here. Monday's here. It's a totally different way of looking at things and just even feeling about the work week when it comes, if you're living your life on purpose. So maybe you feel the need to be part of something bigger and more meaningful. And perhaps you haven't made it even discover or build your life around this life purpose. Maybe you feel dissatisfied with your life. But really, determining the purpose of our life is actually a lot simpler of a process than we think it is. I just try to make this whole complex thing. And once I, like, discover the simplicity in it, my purpose was there right before me the entire time. The, I could look back and go, I've known it the entire time. I just wasn't tapping into it. The hardest part of this, though, is that we need to do a little work to uncover the truth. But I tell you, it is within you, right there, calling to you, waiting to be utilized. Living in life, I think, with our congruent with our purpose is the way that we can start each day with a smile, with hope, and with a plan. And it connects us to something meaningful outside ourselves. Everyone has a different why. The trick to determine the why that fits into your values and your talents and then actually live them out. So sometimes we can even know our why, but unless it's a part of who we are, we're, still, we're going to be dissatisfied. So if your life is in a rut, discovering the purpose is the first step to life fulfilled with passion and fulfillment and something larger than yourself and really living that life of your purpose. I love this Eleanor Roosevelt quote, the purpose of life is to live it, to taste experience to the utmost, to reach out eagerly and without fear for newer and richer experience. So what are the benefits of discovering our and living our life purpose? Maybe you hold the belief that work is to be called work for a reason, right? So four-letter word for a reason. You might even think that life is hard, boring, and that enjoyment is only for children and those who are retired. But, you know, I always say, there's, I'm never going to retire because, one, fear of retirement, it just scares me not having anything to do, but... Because I love what I do so much, there's no way I would even think about not doing this every day. And all stages of life can be meaningful and can be exciting. And knowing that we're living the life that's right for us in the day in, day out is really key to that. So I really think there's a few things here that are why we should even live our life purpose and know it. Number one, we'll enjoy focus and clarity. So when we're not spending our time and efforts on the things that matter to us, our focus is elsewhere. When you're not clear on your purpose, it's hard to make effective decisions, right? Because you really don't know what direction to go. You know what aligns with your true self. And lacking this direction and focus and purpose is no way to go through life. Knowing our purpose makes it life a lot simpler. And I I think it takes us out of that confusion of, man, I don't know if this is the right thing to do or this is the right thing to do. If it doesn't align with my purpose, I'm not doing it. Let's face it. And life, number two, life is just more fun. 
when you know your purpose and live each day, it has the opportunity to be so much more enjoyable without fears and doubts, you know, and with, you know, in your rear view mirror, you're in a better position to enjoy yourself. So it just, you have something to really, something fun that you can look, look at from the days before. Man, I, you know, that just feel alive days before and the future is so hopeful because you know you're doing something worthwhile and even the bumps in the road, right? They don't have as much bang to them because you can get up from them a lot easier if you're actually doing something that you truly love. Number three, it enhances our passion for life. So spending our day on the things that are most important to us will release our passion. Remember the enthusiasm that you felt as a child? I always think of like kids, okay? Because I used to teach. And so with a compelling future and high level motivation, you become unstoppable. This is missing from a life without a clear purpose. So, you know, kids, they just, they feel like they're unstoppable, don't they? You can't tell them they can't do something because they believe they can do anything. The same thing, you can have that as an adult too. Number four, you become part of something bigger than yourself. And even Tony Robbins puts this way, you know, you know, life lacks meaning unless you're doing something bigger than yourself because life is not truly about us. So I'm sorry if you feel the other way. I'm so sorry, but I'm here to tell you, life is not about you. Life is not about me. It's for what we can do for other people. You know, it brings a sense of serenity that, and I guess serenity and it brings peace to know that my life can be used for a grander purpose than just of myself. You know, it's a chance for us to really make something big and meaningful and contribute to this world. So, discovering the answer to the question, what is my purpose in life, will change your life forever. So, how do we determine this? And there are several strategies that we can go through to really kind of figure our purpose. And there's lots of, there's lots of different things out there. Say, do this, define it, do this. I've kind of found the ones that I have proven true for myself in my own life. And as I worked with other people, these are the ones that these are the ones that seem like to get the most for the amount of time and effort you put into it. So the only thing I ask is that when you answer questions or when you really evaluate things, you have to come in, come from a, from a place of that brutal honesty. We really are just completely honest with yourself and not worry about what someone else might say or what someone else has told you you should think. Because sometimes we think our purpose is something that's totally not. It's just because someone else told us that's what it should be. Or we, we're guilted into believing that's what it should be. And maybe something that we really enjoy is shamed within the family. Maybe you're a doctor and you really want to be an artist. And there's no way your family would be cool with that. So really just come from a place of don't worry about what anyone else says or, or would say. Be brutally honest with yourself. Because at the end of the day, who do we have to live with? Ourselves. Um, Wolfgang von Goltz said, the human race is... A montorious affair. Most people spend the greatest part of their time working in order to live. And what little freedom remains to, so fills them with fear that they seek out and out any and every means to be rid of it. Isn't that so interesting? Like, we spend the greatest part of our time working in order to live. Right? And then the little freedom we have, we, we're filled with fear, Right? And we and so we seek out any way to rid ourselves of that fear. So really, what we waste our days, we waste our life. All right, so here you go. Questions to reveal the purpose of your life. It is impossible. Let me put this: it is impossible to find your purpose without a degree of self reflection. 
answers are the result of asking questions. And, you know, Tony Robbins, ask better questions, right? <laughs> Get better results. So asking the right questions will provide the answers you seek. And when you ask yourself questions, it's imperative to listen to the answers. The response you receive can be very subtle and quiet. Keep an open mind and be sure to record your answers. Now, I'm going to go through these. I'm also going to record or provide in the notes, the show notes, a link for you to actually download a workbook so you can actually go through these and sit in, find a quiet spot and really evaluate and go through these. So, number one. If you have only one year to live, how would you spend it? With the clock ticking, we're much more able to focus on the important stuff and let everything else go. One year left to live, how would you spend it? Once you're done with that, the things that come to mind are worthy of further consideration. Could you spend your life engaged in any of these ideas? Just reminding yourself that you're going to die one day can be helpful. The reminder that your time is limited can reduce the habit of wasting time and being indecisive. Number two, how do you want others to remember you? What would you like your obituary to say? How would you like your children, friends, and other family members to remember family members to remember you? Okay, once you answer that, I challenge you. Make a conscious decision about how you'd like others to remember you and put together a plan to live that life. Number three, what did you love to do as a child that you no longer do? As children, we're quite clear about what we like and what we don't like. Isn't that real? Um, in addition, younger children aren't concerned with the perceptions of others so much. We do things solely because we like them when we're six years old, don't we? What have you given up over the years? What was a dream maybe in your heart and you stopped dreaming that? As we become teenage social pressures, and the need to brush others can steer us away from things we love even. So think back to teenage years. There's something you stopped doing because people made fun of you or told you that you couldn't do that if you were part of the group. In young adulthood, we become overly concerned with the practicality of our choices. Can I make enough money at this to have a decent life? Maybe there's something you love, but you don't do it because it doesn't do, make, give you a lot of money. I've always been of the notion I'd rather work six jobs that I love than work one job that, has, that makes me a lot of money and I'm miserable at. So I've always lived my life where I just do things I love. It's, it's just not going to happen. So please note, like, if you, you could always pause this podcast and actually stop and get a journal and answer these questions. So know that you have the ability to pause. So if you're in a place that you can do this right now, I encourage you to do so as before we get any further because your answers to these questions are going to be important. So if you have the ability to actually like stop and answer the questions in between and then think of them, go and hit pause. Do a little bit at a time. But if not, this is the whole thing and then go back through and download that workbook and we could go through that together. Okay. With a little thought, you can find a way to make a living doing what you love. Life is short. Consider what you once loved to do. Find a way to incorporate back into your life. Maybe it's a, it's a side job. Maybe it makes you some extra income. Maybe it's even a volu- some volunteer work for now. Okay, number four. What type of discomfort can I handle? Everything is awful part of the time, okay? So even the jobs you love. I loved being a teacher. I love having my own business. But there are parts of it that absolutely suck at times. But it's okay because... Overall, right? It's worth it. 
So living your life's person will have its disadvantages. What can you handle? So if you dream of being an artist, musician, writer, actor, you'll be rejected at least 95% of the time. Can you handle rejection? If you want to create a law firm, you'll spend at least a decade working 80 hours a week. If you want to be a teacher, can you handle parents and the children that constantly disrupt class? Or all the paperwork on that one too. Um, if you can't handle the worst aspects of pursuing or your purpose, you may want to reconsider your choice. So that's just being honest because I've seen people who really want to do something, but in the past and I didn't, we didn't consider like the disadvantages. And when the disadvantages came, it was the disadvantages like outweighed the purpose at that point. And so we had to backtrack and kind of re rework their purpose. So now I include that within any kind of purpose work I do. Number five. What topics and activities make you lose track of time? Yeah, when time flies, we know that we are living in our zone. Have you ever gotten so involved with a conversation and activity that you missed a meal or were amazed at how much time had passed? Yeah. Maybe you lose track of time when you play the guitar. However, take another step in your thinking. Is it guitar specifically or is it music in general? Is it the guitar the process of... Um, competing with yourself and seeing for improvement. So sometimes we have a hobby and we go like the hobby and goes, okay, is it is it this hobby? Is it doing this thing? Or is it because of how it makes me feel because of some kind of way that I can achieve or become better or maybe it's like music or art or whatever it is. So maybe it's not just that specific thing. Maybe it's a broader thing. Make a list of times you've been so focused that you forgot about everything else. And then imagine if you had a career that incorporated this phenomenon. You never have to work another day in your life. So true. There are many days right now, like, I'll be working all the way and it'll be like throughout the night and I don't even realize days just fly by. But I love every moment, including the difficult times. Because I realize, like, it just far outweighs the, the positive end that you feel and the how much you feel like you can thrive in the midst of something, doing your passion, your purpose. It's like when you pick up to play a guitar, right? You might love playing the guitar, but it takes a lot of work to figure out how to do the keys and move your fingers and everything. But the difficulty, right, it doesn't overtake you so much that you just stop learning the guitar. No, of course, you can you can deal with that because you know the outcome is going to be you even more living your passion and your purpose. Okay, number six, what do you dream about but are too afraid to even admit it. There's something you fantasize about, but you can't quite get yourself to take action. Like maybe climbing Mount Everest, writing a screenplay, becoming a doctor. Something you dream about, but you're like so scared. So a lot of times on the other side of that fear, there are next level of self lives. So why haven't you taken that first step? In many cases, you'll find your resistance to trying something new is just fear. Often, it's the fear of failing, especially if it's in front of others. So keep in mind that the only way to become good at something is to work through the initial period of being bad at it. My podcasts, they're not the best yet. I'm sure I will look back in a couple of years and be like, man, those really sucked, okay? <laughs> be like, those beginning ones were really, really bad. But unless I do it and do it consistently, I will never get good at it. So it's unlikely that our first script will be purchased. In fact, it will probably be awful. But the next attempt will be better. It takes some time to get good at a new skill. The more embarrassment you can handle, the greater your ultimate success. And this is where 
This is where it's so important that you we stop caring about what other people say. If I cared about what other people said at this point in my life, I would never have own my own business. I would never get on social media. I would never have a podcast. I would never have a YouTube channel because I'd be so concerned because people are going to hate and they say really mean things. But they're going to do that no matter what I'm doing in my life, no matter where I am, we're going to have haters. So allow people to hate you and the, your following will find you. The people who are going to support and encourage you, those are the people you want anyway. We don't want fake people around us. So, you know, and when we when things don't go right, we, we can laugh about them. It's okay. People who, who, you know, understand that, they'll be there be, right beside you laughing and encouraging you. And the other people who are mean, just it's okay. Don't worry about them. Don't worry about them because they're not living their best selves. They're too tied up in their own fear and their own muck to even try. And so they have to slam other people who are trying. So it's not about you. It's about their insecurities. So let's be embarrassed together. <laughs> all right, number seven. How can you best serve the world? Of all the challenges that exist in the world, how could you best solve one of them? You know, I, I have to say here, true happiness. Like, oh man, true happiness requires us contributing something outside of ourselves. We have to stop looking at ourselves. It's life is not about me. And, you know, it's not even just, not even about just, it's not about solving the world world's problem alone, right? I'm not going to go out there and be able to solve maybe the world problem. But if I work constructively and creatively with others, then I am a part of the answer, not, not still contributing to the problem. Because we're either part of the problem or part of the solution, Right. Because if we're avoiding it altogether, we're not helping it. We're part of the problem then. And that alone might be the fulfillment we seek. Make a list of all the ways your skills, interests, and talents could benefit the world in a meaningful way. Maybe it's simply that you're a doctor and maybe you just want to be able to go and help and serve. I know here in Dallas we have even, you know, clinic that's free for people who don't have insurance and, and identification stuff and you know, doctors will volunteer their time there and serve there. And and maybe that's a way that you, that you could find more meaning and purpose. Maybe you love being a doctor, but you still lack that purpose. A lot of times it's taking what you love and turning it into something you can give. So I encourage you, answer each and every one of those questions and record every answer, okay? Once that is done, take a look at and see how can you use these answers to enhance your life right now, Okay. We might not be able to change your career overnight. We might not be able to just change everything. But how could you take those answers? Would you see a common theme, a kind of th- common thread? Remember, introspection is a necessary part of finding your life purpose. Ask yourself the important questions and listen to the answers. There's a quote that says, A small change can make a big difference. You are the only one who can make our world a better place to inhabit. So don't be afraid to take a stand. Okay, so let's say like we need to go a little bit deeper. And a lot of times what I do is I don't stop there with people. I'm like, okay, you see, if you see a common thread, a common theme, right? Now I want to take you and I want you to write it. And there is power in writing. So most of us don't enjoy writing. We'd much rather think through things. But writing is such a powerful tool. Your perspective can change when you see your ideas on paper. Allowing a little light to shine on your thoughts, ideas can provide clarity. So, do this with an actual pen and paper. Not on your iPad. I want this actual pen and paper, okay? Trust Jen on this. 